Hello and welcome to, it's on and off the pitch, but it's slightly different. It's kind of under the step over, which is the FAWC. And I'm joined by Lee Birch, former manager of London Bees, Millwall. Have I missed anything? Who else have you been no, managed, Lee? Noval Town, but obviously that was in the WSL, so oh, yeah. we're talking championship today, so the other Everything. two better. Yeah, Lee's back. Lee, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. So it's been a been an interesting weekend um, we've just had, so... Yeah, it, it has. I want to. I want to actually. Obviously, we're going to talk about that. You know, it's almost a year to the day. Give like three or four days when we first had a conversation on the podcast. Yeah, time really has sort of flown by, and I'm sure at times people felt it. You know, it's really dragged. It's been hard with all the lockdowns and everything. But yeah, I mean, I was talking to someone the other day about last summer and what you're up to last summer, and already it's sort of flown around and what maybe the difference is this summer may or may not be with everything so um yeah it's um hopefully people don't feel like it's a, a year lost and that they've still developed individually and whatever they they could have done within this year so um but yeah we're certainly going to be it's going to be a bit different coming out of it yeah listen i'm i've already told friends and family that the two years i'm still of a certain age birthdays i'm not counting them everything's frozen you know, that's how I'm looking at it. So I, I'm people, it's yeah. not lost years. They just haven't happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> they just haven't happened. I froze at 21, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's let's talk about the the FAWC. As I, I'm confused sometimes. I say FAWC and then I say WSL2. Is, is it the same or? Yeah. It is, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I think just the rebranding when it, you know, when it moved across to the, yeah, moved across to the championship, I think, um, from from the WSL two. I think you try to bring it in line, I suppose, a bit more with the the men's pyramid having that that championship as the as the yeah. second tier. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if only that were the case with the funding, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> right, let's jump into it with yesterday's obviously big news and the results. Leicester promoted, and and London Bees, your old club, relegated. Uh, I mean, obviously, you've got something to say about, you know, London Bees and then going down and and everything else. But, you know, the question that I, I posed, well, someone posed to me about three weeks ago, the, I wasn't sure whether there was relegation. And I was thinking, like, I couldn't work it out. And I had to put it on Twitter and thinking, is there relegation from, from the championship? And obviously, there is. So uh, from that point, before we talk about London Bees, what does that mean for the league? considering all of the other tiers have had yeah. their games suspended. I don't understand how that works. Yeah, I think um, I think the way that I, I think everyone sort of sees it happening is that there is going to be a, an opportunity for a, an open licence to bring and, and get the league certainly back to uh, an even number. You know, we had 11 teams in the Championship this year, which gave a team a week off, which you don't need. You know, there's too many weekends off as it is. Um, within the division so getting that that week off was was not ideal that obviously came about because of my old club Yeovil not being allowed to be relegated from WSL into the championship and get relegated to two divisions um, and I believe that this season the original plan was that the north and south you'd have one come up from each 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 end rather than the playoff system which they'd used previously to bring one team up so by having the two sides come up 
you would get naturally to that to that number of 12 which they which they would want um so i think we're still going to see a situation of of licensing and i think there will be at least two teams come up to get that back to to 12 whether the fa look at it and do a north and south um like they were looking at before if they feel that's the fairest way for for things in general i think there's probably enough teams you could probably get it to a full team i think there's probably four teams that that are sitting in those tier 3 positions that could come up to the championship because I also believe that there's teams in tier four that are ready to bump into tier three to make that strong as well. Mm. So, so yeah, so I think even when things happened, I think the clubs down the bottom understood that even when the national league stopped, that the relegation was still going to be a part of, uh, of the, of the league. Obviously it didn't happen last year with COVID obviously Charlton were bottom at that time um, with more games to go and, and, and they, they didn't relegate that year, but, everyone was under the impression that, that that was going to happen. So, yeah, I think that the plan is to get them back to, to an even number. They could just leave it as the 10, but I think that would be a, a poor decision, I, th- I think. I think they ne- there needs to be more games. So, hopefully the league gets back to at least the 12. And we'll, we'll wait and see who wins the uh, the licence the license race. You know, from from my point of view as a, as a humble fan, I always look at the league and think even 12 is not enough. No. You know, 12 is not enough. And the decision to have so few teams in the WSL, I would say has hampered the development of the game below the WSL. And it's hampered the development of, of young English, British footballers in the, the championship level and, and below. Um, Surely, I mean, this is just a kind of a, like a, a, a huge wish that, you know, with the injection of cash from Sky and the BBC, primarily Sky, you would think that the WSO will say, you know, let's bump our league up, really go for it and say we want 14, 16 teams. Yeah, I, that's what I said. I think, I think that both divisions could get to 14 and be comfortable with it. I think there's been a question of, is there good enough players to to jump into the WSL to make that um, make that step up? But we're, we're seeing benches full of good quality players. So if those players have got more opportunities at more teams, then maybe they're going to filter out of benches and onto the actual pitch. Um, and all leagues, all leagues always have those top top sides. You know, and we're looking at we probably got. Obviously, Man City and Chelsea have been far and away, and then mm. Arsenal and May United. So that, that top four have been been quite strong this season. But Everton aren't too far away. Reading have had previous um, situations. But what you want to get is that yes, if there's four teams or three teams that are so much better than everybody else, you don't then want to have another section of um, four teams that play against each other, and then another section that just play against each other and. That's kind of what it feels like that you could, it comes down to four games a season. And to be honest, it was like that when we were at Yeovil. We were in a bit of a different situation because we were so new, but I'm sure there was teams going into the season going, you know, Bristol are probably looking at, certainly at the beginning of the season, we're probably saying how we'll get on against Birmingham and Aston Villa is probably how our season's going to go. And then as the season goes, West Ham get involved, etc. And as a team, you don't want to be looking at four games defining your season and that's what it comes down to whereas if you get to that 14 16 all of a sudden you're looking at six seven eight teams um that that you can get point you you're more than happy to get points at and then when you play the top sides you can still try to get those points but yeah you don't want the league to break down into 
like three groups of three mini divisions, which I think it's been for a little while. Um, that 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 could that could definitely expand. I think that's why people probably like the championship because it was a little bit more um, open. You know, for example, London City Lionesses only team to beat Leicester, but also yeah. lost to Coventry when they were they were bottom. So you know that's what teams in that that division could do. Um, you know. Is, is it doesn't doesn't happen as much in the WSL. There's a few sides that maybe you don't know what you're going to get, but yeah. the championships a lot more open. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest. I, I you know, I, I was at that game for Leicester, and they literally threw the kitchen sink at London City. Honestly, yeah. it, it was a shock to their system. I, I would probably say that game for them was the the kind of jabbing the ribs they needed to say we can't let that happen again. Which is why we've seen their momentum just pick up and go on. But yeah. in terms of um, the championship teams, I mean, the WSL have got 12. I know we're primarily talking about the, the championship itself, but, you know, I've seen Leicester play, definitely. I've seen Liverpool play, capable. I've seen, I mean, I watched Sheffield United Crystal Palace yesterday and I was blown away by Sheffield United. Just the movement on the ball, they've, just the style of play. Yeah. You know, they're so... They're such a good team for a part-time. You're just thinking, yeah, they would give any one of the teams in the Women's Super League a good game. Any one of them, you know, but it's, it's, it, it's for me, I look yeah, at the uh, outside, it's Definitely, it's and I, I think that there's players, it's certainly. Yeah, go on, sorry. Yes, yeah, 100%. And I think that the Sheffields of the world have, the Sheffields, they've got the quality of players and it'd be interesting to see whether they can keep hold of those players as, as teams look at look at a club like that that's still part-time. Um, but yeah, Liverpool, if they get the infrastructure and, and get back up there again, I mean, there was big question marks whether they were going to get relegated. You know, they weren't a million miles away when they did. So, mm. you know, they've got players that have done it in the WSL. As you've said, Leicester are going to be an interesting um, addition to it. I think Durham have shown every time that they've played anyone in the WSL how they they could go out there and compete straight away. I think they're probably again for a you know they're not quite a professional side, but they're probably as adapted as anyone ready to go into that division because of of how they they apply themselves in games. So I think that top four, mm. London City are fifth at the moment. Oh no, sorry, sixth for the moment. But that sort of professional outfit, you think if they get their recruitment right and and, and get back up there, it's yeah. I think there, I think there's a few sides, as you mentioned there, that definitely could go into the WSL. Are they going to go and compete with the Chelsea's of the world? No, but then the bottom teams at the moment aren't at the moment anyway. But could they go and make the league more ex- expandable and win games and and make the, like we're seeing now a bit of a bit of an exciting race at the bottom or pushing into mid table and like the Brightons have done, built up over time and are starting to get get better and better as the seasons go on. I, I think there's teams ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Um, let's jump over to, you know, the championship fully and just talk about London Bees. If it's okay. Everyone mentioned Leicester and congratulated them. But London Bees, it wasn't a great day for them. Um, defeat. No, obviously not. Yeah, it's, it's obviously been, been tough. And I think we look at the season as a whole, as far as going... The, the investment within COVID was obviously a question mark around what teams would do. But I think when you actually look at every single team in the championship did put some, you know, extra investment into their, into their sides and, and really give it a go. You know, obviously you see Leicester, what they did. 
Um, and you've got these professional sides that are coming down into the division. And the talk of the Lewises and, and the Coventries of the world, Blackburn adding more finance resources. And I, I think, unfortunately, at Bees, we didn't have that, you know, and, and the club was hit very heavily. Um, you can see where Barnet are, the, the men's side as well. And the club was hit heavily. And when I went there two years ago, I turned up to the Hive and, you know, what an apt name. It literally was. There was thousands of people at the ground. There was kids football everywhere. The Astros were being used, the academy, the bar and the, the the Starbucks was just rammed with everything. You know, the gym was being used. You turn up on a Sunday and the place was just an activity centre. And within a year, I'd turn up on Sunday and it, it was just like the women's side. The staff, a lot of the staff had obviously had to leave over time. And I think the impact is, is massively uh, hampered the ability to, to put resources into the club. And when we got down to the brass tacks of, recruiting players, we couldn't recruit the players we needed because the, the players were costing too much. You know, I'd have conversations with agents and players and it, you were just nowhere near. You know, Bianca Baptiste, for example, was a player that actually played a pre-season game for us and scored, um, you know, prior to last season. And it, when you, you get talking to those players about the next step of trying to recruit them and you're just nowhere near it, even though they do look at it and they are interested, um, you know, and what a player that could, could have been for us. You look at the amount of goals she's gone to score with the likes of Crystal Palace. And mm. unfortunately for us at the top end of the pitch, we just couldn't get the goals this season, you know, really couldn't. And, and, and they struggled, but we started to turn it around. We started to get to a point. And obviously when I left the club, we were third bottom, you know, we'd turned it around. We, we just had a real good battle with Sheffield United, three, two going into the last minute when they got a penalty. And it felt like things were on the way up. We had six games to go against teams that we'd, I think, crossed three teams. We'd played those three teams eight times since I've been there and only lost once against teams we had to play. And so we felt the points were there to be taken. Mm. And unfortunately, the I feel the, the rug was kind of pulled up under the feet just as we were getting somewhere. Um, and then look, I think a lot of the staff and the girls there, and I felt they felt they still had enough to get themselves out of the the situation but from what I've heard and speaking to players I think they felt that they just felt the rug was pulled underneath them they had question marks about what it meant for the for the, the club going forward and and have never managed to regain that those performances again and overall at the end of the day the points don't lie the results don't lie um, I've managed to watch a few of the games back you know they've done okay at times but at other times it just didn't quite get there um, but I think the club is in a situation of if you don't put resources and funding in behind your team, it's only going to be able to get you so far. And what we did last year, pre-COVID, of getting to a fifth place, yes, it was cut early. Even if we'd probably blown up and not won any more games, or worse, we probably would have finished sixth, was a massive overachievement for what the club actually put together. Um, and that was on behalf of the, the staff and the players had done so well. And I think every club just pushing on made the division even harder. And it's going to be the same again next year. You know, um, what the future holds for the club. I think there's some big question marks. You know, the chairman's got some big decisions to make around not just London Bees, but but Barnet because of where they're at. And I'm sure he will be pushing Barnet to, to kick on again next season. Um, again, the question mark is always when the men's club gets more finances pushed their way. What does that do to the to the to the women's side? He will obviously look at it now from a tier three point of view. The licensing requirements 
are going to be a lot less. Um, but yeah, I just think that the the just as we were getting somewhere, the rug was kind of pulled out under the feet a little bit. And unfortunately, went into those games, the likes of Lewis and Charlton, where we'd historically never lost to Charlton or Lewis before and had won them games um, and, and, and never really got the performances to go in. And I feel, I feel sorry for everyone. Obviously, I'm gutted I played my part. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that we were completely out of the water when I left. Um, you know, it's just maybe maybe the timing, unfortunately, of not being able to get through to the end of the season was was unfortunate. And um, the other thing, what happens in football as well, is you're missing players. You know, people need to look at Megan Alexander, missed all season. Bonnie Horwood only played the first two games, missed the rest of the season, has only just come back. Merrick Will got a, an injury. Eddie Wilson left, was the only player that left and went to Sheffield. You know, you're talking about, that's four very big players of uh, the club, you know, when you're talking about um, consistent performances. Two of them are captains, you know. When you lose that quality of player, um, you have to rely on the youngsters that you've recruited in who did well, but they're still young, you know, and you can't replace a Megan Alexander and a Bonnie Horwood with some 18-year-olds that have come up from development football, unfortunately. You're going to get a level, and could they be better players? Potentially. But, um, yeah, it's it, it, that's kind of what it comes down to, really. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think there's going to be some... It's going to be an interesting time for the club going forward. And, you know, there's a lot of good players there and there's a lot of good staff members. And I'm sure that, that there will be some good opportunities for people and there will be clubs, you know, sniffing around a few of those individuals that could definitely add to add to some very other... You know, some other good squads. And with teams pull it, going more professional... It, it was going to happen as teams move forward and the women's game moves forward. There's always going to be teams and London Bees are not the first. We've seen it with Donny Bells, Millwall, Watford, et cetera. Those teams that have Sunderland have fallen by the wayside. And as everyone moves forward, there's always been one or two. And if London Bees had stayed up this season, what would it have been like next year when virtually everyone's got, you know, I think it would have been even harder. So um, investment is key. But so, so getting the, because that helps you probably get the right people in the door. So I'm I'm gutted for everyone, but um, it's it's part of football, and we'll see how they go next year and see if they can see if they can bounce back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just listening to what you said and, and thinking about the lack of investment, um, I kind of sense or I get a feeling of the something really bad could happen in terms of the, the club in itself. In, in existence terms, like they, to disappear. And uh, you mentioned some really key players that have been missing for you guys. And, and it, it's almost come at the wrong time in terms of the investment for, for women's football for you, or say you, you know, along with there, but for the club to, to, to miss out in terms of championship football, very difficult, very difficult. Um, and kind of it just underlines how important it is to get to get proper backing in the league. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. And it's the the championship. I've said for a while is such a hard division because you have the professional versus semi professional nature. You are also travelling the length and breadth of the country, the same as the WSL do, mm. but nine times out of ten without the comforts of um, you know. I mean, uh, there's obviously been some stuff come out about Birmingham and, and their travel arrangements, but it was the same at 
at, at, at clubs like bees where they can't afford to put you in hotels every week, you know, and, and I understand that there's always a bigger picture for, for club chairman that want to keep clubs going. And I'm hoping, as you said there, that maybe the investment not going in has saved the club from not, not going bust and, and whatever they do going forward. Um, but yeah, it's some clubs have been, have been hit differently by COVID to, to, to others. And, I suppose some people will probably question looking at previous things, whether the, the finances were going in prior to that anyway. Um, and, and I know what my budget was as such and what the resources were compared to other clubs. And I can sit here and talk about that, but it's, and, and it, it does make a big impact and that's why you are where you are um, to a degree. But I think, yeah, you're not the first person that said that. I had a few people that, of, of contacting me saying that you know they're potentially worried about about the club um the chairman always seemed pretty committed as far as you go to the hive the london bees badge is on the board there and everything so very much keeps it going so we're, we're waiting to see what what that means for the for the club going forward fingers crossed it's not gonna be it's gonna be that that uh that devastating but we've seen stranger things happen yeah we have indeed um with Obviously, London Bees no longer being a championship team, even though they've still got games to go. And obviously, in line with the Sky deal with money coming in, I mean, what is the future for the championship, the women's championship? I mean, realistically? I think it's going to be a professional league very soon. I mean, I think next season, as I say, you've heard a few teams like the Lewis's of the world and... Um, Coventry of, 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 and Charlton now spoke about going professional next year, which is great. And I think to survive in that division, you're going to have to be getting very close towards that. So next season, you could end up having six, seven teams professional, maybe two or three is like a hybrid model, which I've heard some teams talking about a, a bit of a hybrid model, which allows some players that are still working to, to play for them. Um and that's going to be probably the big challenge for those teams that come up into tier three. If they do come up is they come up and all of a sudden they're playing against, you know, the Liverpools and, you know, whoever comes down and the, the, the London cities of the world who have got good backing and, and, and professional um, setups. If you, if it gets to a point where you're just going to get the tier three teams coming up and they can't afford it. I think it was at Huddersfield come out and said, you know, that they couldn't afford to, to come into the division, even though they, they were top because they looked at the financial side of things, even for the championship, you know. Yeah. And fair play to them because it's it's good to see a club actually sit back and go, we're not ready yet. And that's yeah. kind of what they said, wasn't it? We're not ready yet. And I think that's um, that's a sensible decision because the championship will be, will be a professional division because every time someone goes up, they're going to have to turn professional. Every time someone comes down, they're probably going to try to stay professional. And with the sky money coming in to try to bounce himself back up, whoever comes down this year, I'm sure will be going. Let's give it a let's give it another go. So, mm. um, I think women's football is moving in a good way as far as the support that's coming in. The people have obviously have those question marks about what that means and does it turn into a, you know, a mirroring the men's side with the Premier League. Um, I think it's one of those. What I just hope is that every time maybe someone on the men's side does well, so like a Leeds, that get promoted into the Premier League and then do well and are clearly going to stay in the league this year, 
and they get that money that comes in that they can push some of that money that they get from being in the Premier League into their women's side, which can support those clubs. And as the, those clubs change, whether they go up and down, because you've always got those Premier League clubs that come in and out, Norwiches of the world, that if they use the money wisely, then the women's game will, will uh, help from that. But we also want to see the clubs, the likes of Durham and the London cities, do well as well. And, you know, I'll be sat back next season unless I'm in the division, you know, probably, you know, supporting a, a team like that and hoping that they do well because it just shows it, it's not going to be about a Premier League badge is going to win you the title. Yeah, um, I, you know, that the question about the, the teams being more professional um, and going full-time, there's, there's a fine balance because I know that, you know, Huddersfield say, you know, they, they didn't want it because, you know, they weren't ready. Uh, I'm, I'm sure football in footballing terms, they were ready, but it's the, the, the behind-the-scenes um, stipulations that they were probably asked to fulfil that they couldn't meet, which sometimes, you know, when we talk about football being a beautiful game, we, we don't realise how many kind of tripwires there are for clubs in terms of regulations. As a fan, we just think, why aren't they there? Yeah. Why haven't they come up? We're just we're very simple, you know, and then we have to kind of delve into the, the, the background of what the FA, who are the governors of this beautiful game, what they put into place. I mean, I was down at Crystal Palace yesterday watching them play Sheffield, and they, they use a 4G pitch. Now, I know that the, 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 the WSL don't want 4G pitch. Yeah. Do you know, so you've got a club that's got great facilities, great access to facilities. It's the home of Bromley. Um, other teams use it. They don't get games called off. They're not in a position of Birmingham where they're having to kind of forfeit games, lose points, you know, because they've got to manage their budget in a particular way. But if they become successful, they're hindered by the rules that are already in place within the FA to say that you can't use a 4G pitch. This is the same 4G pitch which is used in the Conti Cup. Yeah. Bristol yep. played there. Not a problem then. If it's the FA Cup, which they're coming up, not a problem then. Yeah. Why is it a problem in the league? Do, do you understand? I'm looking at myself, so why are you made why are you making it more difficult for women's teams? when you have them in, in the footballing umbrella playing cup competitions on that pitch, but then say to them, we don't want you to play league games on that pitch. I just don't get it. Yeah, and I think it happened to Sutton in the men's um, side of the game when I think it was quite, you know, they did quite well and they had this, they had this similar situation. But these clubs, those 4G pitches are huge for them for finances because you say where well, they don't get the wear and tear on them they have kids training on them and they rent them out and it's a lifeblood to them you know what they can do and when I was at Yeovil we had Dorchester Towns pitch you know and that was a that was a 4G we were allowed to to use that um so yeah and I think with the Sky deal as well those those pitches as you say they're not going to get called off and Sky are not going to be happy if they're advertising a game with WSL or wherever and and it gets called off because of the weather you know, um, that's that's not going to be it's not going to be acceptable, is it? So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. And the facilities thing is is huge because when you go for a license and you go for these uh, applications to be in the divisions, you've got to have X, Y, and Z. You know, you've got to have it's not just the playing budget, but it's the facilities you use and the full time members of staff in the background. And you've got to have X, Y, and Z. And Huddersfield obviously didn't just look at can we pay our players and can we have good enough players? They probably could get there with that. But it was, 
do, do we have the, the finances and the ability to have the staff and the ability to travel and get around the, the, the country? You know, you're talking from Lewis to Durham. You know, it's it's right across the board. And when you're in those national leagues, the, the travel is a lot, lot closer. Um, you know, so I think that that makes a big impact. And if you want to do well in the division, you're going to need the few hotel overnight stays, which cost you the extra money because I've seen it. I've traveled up to Blackburn on the day. I've had players and I've left at half five in the morning to go and try to play a game of football. You can't, it's, you're on a hiding to, to nothing already. You know, you, you're already, you're already on the back foot and you go away to these great grounds and you're tired uh, and clubs like Huddersfield will look at that because it's not just about the players. Cause as you said, I think players wise, they're probably ready. Yeah, but for me, I look at the players and I see them being ready. I'm trying to remember when you were at Bees, your goalkeeper travelled quite a distance to get to a game. Where, where, where was she travelling from? So Sarah Quantrill lives in Norwich, so That's she obviously, cool. yeah, she travels obviously in, and she did the same when I was at Millwall. So she's travelling a couple of hours to get to a game. But the big one that I spoke to you about was the Bristol City County Cup, when she was up at work for first thing in the morning. She works at a chocolate factory. So with Willy Wonka, we always say, give her some, uh, give her some stick. But she worked, she worked there in the morning. She's done that for years, but her work are excellent about giving her the time off. So I think she started work at normal time in the morning, half eight, but then left at lunchtime to tra- travel to the Hive from Norwich, get onto a coach, travel for, from the Hive across to Bristol City, play an evening Conti Cup game, you know, then... Drive, uh, go, come back to the hive, then had to drive home. I think she got in about three o'clock in the morning. And then, because work gave her the time off, they said she obviously had to make that time up the next day. So she ended up going in, I think, at about 11 o'clock the next day to do a, the rest of the half day shift, which is she's probably happy with that, that balance with her job. And it's good that they can do that. But end of day, they got a business to run and uh, she's an employee. So yeah, and this is what people don't see within the Championship. That's the difference why I've said the Championship can be so much harder than the WSL. WSL, yes, you're playing against the Chelsea's of the world, but you're full-time. You've got everything else going on. You only have to worry about playing against Chelsea. You don't have to worry about getting up for work tomorrow and, um, you know, doing whatever job you've got and, and things. So, um, and, and, and also, I think Sarah also on top of all that travel is one of the best keepers in the division and has been for a long time. So, um, there's lots of players that go through that I'm sure you go to Durham to Lewis to Crystal Palace and you've got you've got players that are committing that much and um, it's it's amazing what they do and this is why I quite like the professional way we're going because I want those players to be rewarded and I think there was a few players that come out in the WSL that I think maybe it might have been Steph Houghton spoke about you know when she started and that semi-professional nature to where they are now all those players that have done that deserve the rewards of having the opportunity to just go and play the game they love. I mean, I mean yeah, I mean, of course, it, that, that makes total sense. And there is a commitment side from the player's point of view that, you know, because you travelled that distance. But like, you, you know, I wanted to for you to share that moment again, because I thought when you told me, I just couldn't believe it. I could not believe that. And, and, and we were talking at an evening game yeah. at the Crystal Palace when, you know, yeah. London Bees were there. And I'm thinking again, uh, uh, another Conti Cup game, evening kickoff, um, great travel, obviously for her from Norwich across to North London, down to South London, etc. In terms of time, obviously lengthy, but not in comparison to the journey to Bristol. And it just made me realise 
you know, the difference between when they say, you know, this league is supported financially from the TV deal, um, these, these players are full-time, what that actually means to the players on the pitch during the 90 minutes when they've had to contend with just day-to-day -day stuff that other full-time professionals don't, they don't have to worry about. And, and this is where the championship made it so hard as well. When you've got Leicester, Liverpool, London City, etc., those clubs that are full time and they've and they're playing games against semi-professional sides, you know there isn't there isn't really an excuse for those professional sides to not be the top sides in the division, which makes it even more impressive on the parts of your Durham's and your Sheffields when they finish above. You know, Lewis looked like they could finish above London City. I mean, Simon Parker's done a brilliant job there, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and those clubs are, have done so well to be above professional sides. I mean, Leicester obviously went, you saw, they went from sixth to first. Yeah. And that was because they got the best players, they put um, the investment in, but those players didn't have to worry about anything else apart from playing football. And that just can bring so much more out in players, and it should do. And, um, and, and this was the year, I think, where those two or three clubs, you know, there might be two or three clubs that may be kicking themselves because going forward, it's not only going to be three teams that are professional or four teams, you know, with a couple of hybrids, you're going to be looking at more and more. So that division is going to become tougher and tougher um, every, every season from a perspective of, could you have gained that advantage by being one of the professional sides against those, those semi-professional mm -hmm. sides? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and do, do you know what? When you said about London City, I, I spoke to Lily Ag, who's one of their players, um, and I, I mean, I was under the impression that not every single player there is 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 full time. I, I know Lily isn't because she works in education. Uh, I've got to give a little shout out to her because she's uh, she's part of the teaching fraternity, so I know exactly. She's probably resting now, obviously, or mm -hmm. not. She's probably actually doing planning though, you know, but. Um, the, the, I think in terms of hybrid teams, yeah, there'll be yeah. teams that have a, a, a core group of players that are professional, but then there are players within that that squad that are still doing the nine to five or nine to two. Yeah, and, and I think there's some of them, some of them that make their own decisions on that, probably around finances as well, mm. because there's probably players that, again, I don't, you know, we're not going to go into the exact amounts, but players that are on the same amount as maybe someone like Lily but they decide that they can live on that where she's thinking maybe financially she wants something else to do, but also probably thinking cleverly about what's her career beyond football um, as well. So, so looking around that. So, and I think, you know, if the teams train a little bit later in the day, um, if they're not a full, you know, full, full session um, all the time as a pro, then there is opportunities to, to do something else alongside, but you don't have to. And, it's probably a lot nicer to go and do that job when you want to do it rather than some of the jobs that these players do that allow them to play football. You know, Sarah Quantrill is on contract at London Bees, mm. but the money that she gets paid is, is not enough for her to, you know, she's putting a lot of petrol into the car. Yeah. And, and this is what people have to have to think about with, and as I said, that's an example of, you, you, it's, that's right across the board and it was, always has been. And I've seen the money grow in a good way. And I've seen what players have been been offered, you know, at other clubs, and 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 what they've turned down, and what they've taken, and 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 it's great because these players deserve it. You know, they deserve to earn, um, uh, you know, 
more money for, for the amount of time and commitment they, they give up. Part-time players that are finishing training at 10 o'clock at night and are not getting in till 12 and then getting up the next day. You know, and because the, what I like is the fact that certainly at the moment it doesn't feel like it. There's not players, they're not playing for the money. You know, will that change going forward? We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, if you're a professional footballer, it's your job. You know, you do have to put food and drink on the table and a roof over your head. So, you know, there'll be some players that make decisions around staying at clubs or going to clubs financially. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. But I'm just pleased that players are getting or starting to potentially get the rewards for the commitment they've put in for years, for years. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, obviously, in terms of the, the Sky deal, um, the breakdown, 75%, 25%. You know, personally, from my point of view, I, I probably would have wanted a little bit more for the championship. You know, 40% would have been nice for those clubs. Yeah, I think so. But I'm sure that the the Sky and the WSL and that would sit down and say, well, what are the championship doing for that amount? You know, and I think they are providing that, you know, tier below and there will be teams that come into that. But uh, it's... I, I was pleasantly surprised that they got anything, to be honest, when I saw the 25%, because it wouldn't have surprised me if it had gone the other way and they got, they'd got nothing at all when you had to fight to get in there to get anything. So the fact that there is some money dripping down is great. What I hope is that that's the, the weakest it ever is. And as the deal gets stronger and as the championship gets stronger, that eventually we do move towards that. Because the question and the, re, the rationale around what you said there is, do Chelsea need that money? Probably not as much as London Bees need the money, you know? So, and if you don't have those tiers below, everything else collapses, you know, house of cards. So it is important that the money drips down um, through, through the, through the tiers. And this sky deal has to be good for the women's pyramid, not just for the WSL. It has to be good for the whole, the whole thing. And we'll wait to see if, if that does happen. Well, do you know something? I'm I'm praying with you with that whole um it has to be good for the pyramid. It it, it needs to be good. And not not just for the finance, not just from a financial point of view, but from an access point of view. Um I obviously mentioned that I went to watch the Crystal Palace Sheffield game before leaving 12 o'clock kickoff, Liverpool are playing. You know, thinking, let me check the FA player to see if it's on. Nothing. And, you know, there's there's a bit of me that thinks that as much as the FA have talked a good game at promoting women's football, when we have been starved of football generally, and a lot of people will say that there's been so much football on, but the women's game, you know, we need to promote it at every point, at every juncture, every opportunity. To have a game that's on at 12 o'clock and you have a platform that you, you is free to access, it would have made sense to actually have streamed the game. I know that they will now put the game on the FA player and put highlights on the FA player. So someone was there. So I don't know why they didn't just stream it live. Yeah. They didn't do anything for Crystal Palace. They've missed out a couple of times where they've been, you know, they could have been like key games. I think they've... The, the, they missed out in terms of the fixtures when they the weekends that no one was they weren't didn't they didn't have games 
Yeah. Um, so it's not for me. It's not just about Sky's money. It's about actively promoting the teams so that the fans can get to see the games. That and that needs to happen. Hundred percent. And I think there was was it there two weeks ago when they they showed all the games. They had a weekend where they did it. So you can do it for one week. Can you not do it for everything else? And even this week, I know there was some. Uh, the, some of the FA Cup games obviously started were streamed by different media outlets in different ways and that's great and you've got clubs that are taking it on board and some of the stuff that some of the clubs do is is excellent Coventry United's yeah. um you know have been very good with the way that they've done their stuff and mm. um and I think we're going to see more and more of that and as you say you want it to to drip down that if Sky are showing the games uh, or maybe they're showing the champ then the FA player is showing the championship and starting to come down. Why not? Why doesn't the, if the FA player next season is going to show all of these championship games while Sky and BBC show WSL games, and then there's probably a little bit of a drip down there, then it should drip down as well. So the FA player should be looking to show tier three, tier four games occasionally, you know, why not? And then that exposes people to the opportunity to watch that game as well. So, um, yeah, I, I hope it. And then, as it goes on and on and on, it it can move. And as we get more and more games on TV, um, it's 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 a for all thing, isn't it? It's, it's it really it really does have to be because people want to watch their their teams, and as you you want to follow those teams on their way up, you know the the likes of Wolves that are in Tier Four now. There's people that want to watch their games and watch them. So when they do, and if they do get to WSL or the Championship in a couple of years. They feel like they've been part of that. And that's what you want as a fan, isn't it? You know, you, you want to be part of that journey. So the more we can show the games, the, the better it's going to be. And I know some people, and I'm sure you're going to be the same, that yeah. travelling to the games for certain kickoffs, I know has been something that people have thrown about. But that happens in the men's game. You know, I did see someone pipe up and saying about, oh, you know what we have to do to get to a kickoff here. And someone just replied, get up earlier. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, it's, it, it, it's one of those, you know, it's, you hope that they're clever around, you know, if it's a 12 o'clock kickoff, that that's a Manchester versus Man City rather than a Man United versus Brighton. Yeah, Bristol or Brighton. Yeah, <laughs> you like, you hope to think, but again, um, I'm sure that all the, the, the guys like yourself that are travelling to, to cover games. And that's the other thing probably I'd say is I hope, because I've seen a surge and a good surge of people like yourself that are covering games, that are doing match reports, that are doing podcasts. And there's people that have been doing this for a long time and have been real advocates of the women's game and have been pushing it for years and years. I really hope that these people don't get left behind. And I really hope that Sky don't come and roll over these people and that actually, if they're clever, that they go and use the people that have got the knowledge that have been doing this for years because that will really enhance the product. Don't just go and get an ex-player. Some of them are great. But, you know, don't just go and get an ex-player or someone from the men's game that just because of the name here. Go and get some people that really know what they're on about. They've been doing this for a while and that there's journalists and supporters of the game and people that have been out there doing lots of travelling and lots of stuff for free. And they get the rewards for this as well because they're they're the people that have been pushing it, you know, from the, the Gen HG kicks all the way down to the the people writing the, the, the match reports for free and stuff. So... Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, I've, I've been fortunate on, on social media, Twitter, to have been in conversation with, uh, to be honest, so many good people um, around the women's game. And, you know, re my journey is relatively new 
I mean, I've been doing it for a couple of years, but there've been people who've been doing it a lot longer. So much knowledge, yeah. uh, and 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 obviously with that, they've had they've been around, so people they're trusted individuals as well. So yeah, it would be just nice. I, I mean, I totally understand what you mean about those individuals being being swept away and totally being ignored. Um, they may be ignored. But they won't go away because I think <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They, they won't go Not away. Not on their personality. <laughs> they won't go anywhere. I'm telling you, they are like the stone. They're like the tree <laughs> in the park that you grew up and you are now an adult and you see the see, and you think yeah. it's always been there. That's that's how they are. Some fans are just, yeah, they're not going anywhere. And 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 you know, generally we do this because one, we love football, two, it's important and you know, we. I suppose it's no different than just going to the pub or chatting with someone at the photocopier saying, did you see the game yesterday? Oh, yeah. that was great. You're walking through the park, you see a game, you stop, you watch it. The world has changed a little bit now. You can watch things online, but we, you know, as fans, we come together and have a conversation and being able to speak to individuals like yourself and, you know, do what we can to promote. And I to be honest, I don't think I ask any different question than a journalist. I just, you know, I'm just probably a little bit blunt in my manner. You know, <laughs> not necessarily, but um, not as blunt as, not as not as blunt as others, but, you know, um, there is that. What You know, in terms of the, the championship, because I, I, I'm really fond of the chat. I love watching women's football, but the championship for me, I watch so many teams in the championship. And, you know, there's a bit of me that's concerned I am concerned about being left behind. What happened from the, 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 the financial aspect of the Sky deal is that the deal was announced and everyone was kind of doing somersaults for joy. And then I think a week later, there was discussions about a European Women's Super League. Mm. And I just thought, wow, I mean, the timing just, it sucks. Because all of a sudden now you, you're looking at the top three or four teams being only interested in in that and obviously a, a European Women's Super League means the, the interest of clubs like Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain and Barcelona and Atletico Madrid and and you know I'm trying to think of other teams and other you know you might have Bayern Munich and Dortmund might have a women's side Wolfsburg and you know okay the, all of a sudden it's taken on a different uh, guys the follow-on question from that was you know will all of these clubs now start to buy you know um, European-based players because they want to win that competition. What's going to happen to the British talent in the Women's Super League? Are they going to get pushed down? And if they can't get games, do they get knocked down to the championship? And then what happens to the, the development of, of, of the young players that are coming through that are like 12, 13, 14? What, what are their hopes? And I just thought the timing just sucked. Yeah, well, I think this is the big thing I've tried to 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 do within the championship and is to use it as a platform to give players the opportunity to go out there and, and, and play first in football, mm. not to go and sit on a bench week in, week out for, for a big name side. And you've seen we at Bees, for example, the last couple of years, the likes of Amelia Hazard and Mel Phillips that have come from Arsenal, um, as well as we see Sophie Quirk as a, as a loan from, from Reading. So a couple of different types to... to to do that and other clubs are doing the same and I think players are understanding that the championship's a great place to get you grounded if you can come to the championship and do what you're doing well then WSL size will, will, will look will look for you so I think what you're saying there is you don't want to lose that and, and, that, and that's really really important 
the big thing that is obviously happening is is the the cap around the the foreign players coming in. So that's going to be there. What that is going to do is going to impact on the clubs probably below the top four or five going and buying these top players because nowadays to get a, a player in from another another country, they're going to have to be such a top level and you're going to have to show so much. You're not going to be able to go and get a player that's from America that's just 21. That's probably maybe even better than some of the players you've got, but she maybe has not played that international pedigree, X, mm. Y, and Z. So you're only going to see those top stars come across. Um which I think is going to hopefully halt that that thing we're going to worry about. Are Chelsea and that still going to go and buy them top players? Yes, because they can. But can Reading? I think the clubs like that, it might be a bit more of a struggle to go and get these players now with with the new quota coming in. So it be interesting to see if they can go and get the better English talent and see the talent that there is in the Championship ready to go up and to continue to give players the opportunities because it's no good just sitting on the bench and not playing any games because there's not enough games as it is anyway I don't think that in either division we, we spoke about this and the championship has been such a good breeding ground for players to go and get 25 games under your belt plus continental cup games where you play against WSL to play against professional sides semi-professional sides to be go from development football into the the women's game and to know what it's like to play week in week out and to, to learn completely different things because I've had to sign players from Arsenal and, and Chelsea and, and sides like that's development sides. The problem is those players come from those development sides. They win every single game, apart from when they play against each other. Mm. They um, have the ball 90% of the time. They're playing, they can play a certain way in and out of possession because they have the ball so much. Um they're playing against players of their own age and their own physicality and their own experience. So all of a sudden, you take a player from an Arsenal development that will be technically very good, put her in a championship side, and it's completely different work because all of a sudden you don't have the ball. All of a sudden, you're getting someone that's played 150 championship WSL games plowing through you, you know, and, and things like that. So um, it's a great ground. And those players that go into that situation and swim with it, do very well. And I think about Rihanna Dean, who I took to Millwall from, from an Arsenal development side. She was scoring 30-odd goals a season, winning everything at Arsenal, come to Millwall, and all of a sudden she was on the bench. Mm-hmm. She hadn't been on the bench before, but she was trying to get in ahead of Ashley Hinks, who had played in cup finals, played for Chelsea, was the captain of the club, was our current top goal scorer, was an excellent and still is an excellent player. But Rihanna Dean had to now not only play in a completely different system, a completely different league, she'd never had to fight for her place before, let alone that. And she had to do that. She got there in the end, become top goal scorer at Millwall, went on to do well at Tottenham. And her journey's gone on to be a real good one. And, and now she's in the WSL, um, gone from Arsenal round the circle. It wouldn't surprise me if in two, three years' time, she keeps scoring goals at Arsenal, come back knocking on the door for her. You know, and, and that's the circle, the journey, whether she wanted to leave Tottenham for Arsenal, you know, without getting lynched. I don't think, but, um, I don't think she'll do that now. Yeah, but, you know, this is, this, is, this is what the game does. And you've seen the likes of Chloe Kelly's and, and that of the world that have, that have had to move out, go somewhere and, 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 and bide their time and come back. And the championship is such a great place for that. And, and I really hope that players continue to, to use the opportunities to go into these very good clubs and work under some very good coaches, very good managers um, and staff 
uh, and the league continues to be what it is. You know, you've got uh, Rihanna Dean coming up against, you know, she would have played against Donnie Bells. We would have played against the Carla Ward, for example, you mm. know, and things like that. And, you know, players that have been there and done it and are moving into a management side, whereas Rihanna's just starting her, her career. So, yeah, I, I hope the championship doesn't lose that. And as you said, that we don't have a, an influx, but hoping that the rulings, <laughs> the rulings are going to, are, are going to, going to stop. Yeah. Stop most of the teams going to do that. Cause it is hard, especially in the championship. Championship, you won't be able to go and sign a player from, you know, from, from abroad. It's it's it, it's going to be nearly impossible, really. Because I've seen that I've seen some of the stuff around it, and we've spoke before about trying to get. A, we had an American player training with us, and she would have been excellent, but there was just no way it was ever going to work because of the 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 hoops you have to jump through to to get a player into, into your side. So we'll wait and see. Yeah, do you know what I want to mention very quickly is that one of the things that I noticed in on Twitter uh, is London City actually they've uh, joined forces with um, um, the, the London City Lionesses Kent Player Development Program mm. and they're running four teams under 12s, under 14s, under 16s and under 18s as a pathway into their first team and I just thought that was such such good news for them. You yeah, know, I thought it was idea. really good, great idea, and I, I, I do hope that goes well. I've got such an affinity, I have an affinity with championship teams, and you know, I'm not even a championship team supporter, yeah. but I watch every team and I'm like, oh, I, you know, honestly, every time I see a team play and I'm like, I'm looking at a player thinking, I really like them, oh, I like them, I really like them. And for me, it's given me a, a good understanding of what it is to be a player in a championship. There are, like I said, there are no easy games, mm. no easy games. Um, no, no, I think it's going to go the the, the same way. And you, you look at every team, and you know Leicester obviously done brilliantly this year, but Durham were excellent and pushed them right to the end, and have, have been getting better every season. Sheffield United, as you mentioned, I, they blew us away early in the season four 0 They were brilliant. You know, hardest probably the hardest individual game we had yeah. for as far as a day. Your Liverpool's of the world. Uh, Lewis have done excellent. You know, and the, and you got teams like Crystal Palace. It, it depends probably where they finish on whether they feel they've had a, a good season because they could probably finish from like still seventh to like ninth. Yeah. If they finish seventh, they'll probably be happy their season. They finish ninth, they probably won't be. Charlton have picked those points up and could finish seventh. Blackburn were flying at one point and could drop down. So, yeah, do you, you know, know what? You mentioned so I want to actually, I hadn't seen Sheffield United play live before, and you know, Wilkinson, I'd seen on the FA player, yeah, yeah she's scoring goals, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you see her play live, you don't realise how good she is. Yeah. I just think to myself, like a, like a, like a, a, not even so much an old school centre forward, but just her play, positional, hold up, touch, awareness, and she's got everything. And then you, you look at her and you just think she's got this, this aura. Yeah. Like a, like a, just like I'm the boss. I think other players really enjoy playing with her as well, playing off of her, you know, and um, the way she does. She scores all types of goals oh. as well, you know. It's and, and when I come to London Bees and, and they said about giving me the, the the opportunity, I was like, oh, brilliant. You know, Ruth Littlejohn, Paula Howes, Destiny Toussaint, Katie Wilkinson. I thought, what a team. And then they had all gone already. So, you know, it's unfortunate I never got to work with Wilco, but yeah. I'm sure she's going to be on the shopping list of a few clubs. And oh. if... 
uh, you know, and, and, and she's been excellent. But Sheffield, they played up to her. And then you had Jade Pennock down one side, who I think is one of the best players in the league. Then you got Mel Johnson. Then they added Sweetman Kirk to it. And then yeah. they got Lipka in the middle, who, again, yeah. me, is she one just, of the best players she, in the division. She just looked. She she just, like, seemed to be everywhere in the midfield. Right? I, just, don't think I don't think I've ever seen her lose the ball. Yeah, just picked up everything. So good. Um, little at the back. Centre back, uh, yeah. Sweetman Kirk, great, and um, they've got one in midfield. Is it Long Longwood, Longyard, or something? I've got, to, I've, I've got to forget. Lord, Lord Mayor. Lord Mayor. Oh Lord my Mayor. gosh, she's not even quick, but her touch on the ball, ridiculous. Dribble and drive as well. Oh my days. No pass players, and then they got Coop, Maddie Cusack in the middle. So yeah, their, their, yeah, their team's been been very very good, and um, uh, as I say, they blew us away earlier in the season. Um, we, you know, when we went so close to them in my last game, you know, we were really pleased and we stopped Wilco from scoring right to the end. Yeah. Um, she got a penalty in like the 90 something minute, you know, we, we were, we were quite pleased, but that's the thing. You look across the championship and you, those players you've mentioned, you could go to each club, you go to Durham and talk about the Beth Heppels and the Slickies of the world. Yeah. And, you know, you go to each and every one, London City, Ellie Mason has been a big Yeah, she's brilliant players. at the back, uh, yeah. You know, that you could go to each club and there is players right yeah. across that division, right the way down to, uh, there's players at, at B's, you know, their bottom, but the players at Coventry, like Shan O'Brien getting a move to Leicester, the girls yeah. at Charlton, there is players in every Edison. single club. Yeah. Arthur Cummins is at Charlton, I think, has probably been arguably the best keeper in the division, you know, even when they were bottom. You yeah. Know, do, so. <laughs> do you know what? I have to say this, right? Um, Lord Mears, I, I have to apologise in case anyone is watching from the team. I, I, I don't like getting players' names wrong, and I did, but I watched her play, right? And, and I've, you know, I've been watching Palace, and Palace played, they didn't play their best game. She has this. She had her socks just over the shin pads. Yeah. And you know when you look at a player and you think, you you look comfortable because you yeah. some people have their socks right up to their knees, over their yeah. knees. She had old school, just over the shin pads. And I'm not thinking, I bet you're a baller. Yeah. I think the- she was she was at Sheffield Ladies, I'm pretty sure, before. And then she went, I'm trying to, she went to somewhere in between coming back, coming to Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, I think she might have even gone abroad. I could I could be wrong, but yeah, she 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 was good in that that Sheffield side because they had her and the likes of Hannah Kane and people like that. And yeah. Sarah Jackson, that Sheffield side, which Carla Ward was a part of yeah. as a player, um, they were tough. You know, they were a real real good side. And it's good again to see those players um, do do well. And Lipka, we mentioned earlier, she was at, at Donny Bell's when with with Neil Redfern when they won it when they had the likes of. Jess Sigsworth and people like that. And you look at that Doncaster Bell side and the girls that have gone to Manchester United and they're still doing it. So the yeah. championship is such a good breeding ground. And young players now, as you said, the 12, 13, 14 year olds and the ones that are coming through and are currently sat going, well, what does it mean for me next year? Like, if you can get out and play in the championship and you can look at the examples of these players that are playing top level and what they've done and the clubs they've been at, Go and look at these pathways because there's lots of players that are breaking through, and that's where I think the championship can 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 really use its its strength to to keep creating really good games, real good clubs in there. And I think the clubs are, are, are getting better and better. They have to because, as we've seen, they're gonna they're gonna go backwards quite quickly because I'm sure these tier three, tier four teams that are ready to come up are 
they ain't gonna they ain't gonna be jumping into the division half-hearted because they mm. won't because we spoke about Huddersfield. Whoever comes up through the licensing, there's rumours around your your Watfords, your Nottingham Forest, and things. They're big football clubs with big big backings that are doing things properly. If these clubs come in, we've seen the news about Burnley. You've got your Ipswiches, your Stamps, and your Wolves. There is clubs bubbling below the championship that are ready that want to get into there mm. doing really well. Obviously, for the Holy Grail with the the WSL, but um, yeah, so. I, I, I think the championships are great, and you know maybe because I've managed so many games in it and and, and done done pretty well in, in general. Um, you know, I'm I'm certainly hoping I get another another crack at it. But it's um, yeah, great great division for the players, and uh, if the officiating can get a little bit better, that'd be nice. But apart from that, I think I'm going to I didn't I didn't think I uh, saw saw a few seen a few penalties given the weekend, which I thought were a little bit. Um, little bit soft again but let's just say hey, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say anything because I can imagine what kind of response that'll get. Um I've got a couple of questions before we come to an end. Cool. Right. We know Leicester's promoted well done to them. Unfortunate for London Bees. Uh if you could put if you could stick your neck on the line for a better phrase, who do you think will apply and be successful in the license coming up? Who do you see as contenders for the, the league next season, considering the top four or five? And who do you think will be in danger next season? In the championship. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, as I said, uh, you know, Watford um, and Nottingham Forest, uh, you know, uh, are making the right noises um, around licensing. I think the likes of Crawley Town, obviously, have had, uh, have had uh, Crawley Wasp, sorry, have had a very good. Um, Good recruitment, uh, one of the yeah, players, and, right? and, and, have, and have done well, and certainly, you know, pre-COVID, we're, we're, we're doing well. Burnley and Derby, um, as well, uh, uh, some of the teams that are you kind of hear through the grapevine. Yeovil, uh, changing around what they're doing, obviously becoming Bridge, uh, Bridgewater. Yeah. So again, that they want to want to push forward. Um, I, I think with the licensing, I, I hope that there is some on the field thoughts around it because yes you've got to have the team that goes but for me if you've got team a that's second in the league and team b that's fifth in the league and there's surely you've got to be going with the team that's second for example if they're going to go up so um if if Huddersfield can't as you know the top top team up there so we'll wait and see I think they'll probably look at you know Oxford could be another one as well these mm. likes of Oxford and Watford that have come down from the division have been in there before they know what it takes to be in that division. So I think the FA will probably look at a club and go, whilst it maybe didn't go right for them before, because they understand what it means to go into the division, you know, that they're going to be better prepared next time. So I think that they're the, they're the teams that are coming up. I can't see anyone doing a double skip like West Ham did when they went from tier three to tier one. I can't see them promoting a, a Wolves or, or an Ipswich or a Southampton who are probably ready to go up one tier. Um, and probably as a club have the backing to come into the championship, but their teams aren't, you know, they, they need to change a lot of their players. So um, I think that it will be a, a tier three tides coming up and they're, they're sort of the ones you've, you've sort of been hearing, hearing murmurs around and things. So um, we'll wait and see what the FA decide on that. I think yeah. as far as next season, um, Liverpool's recruitment on their managerial candidates is going to be huge. 
you know, because they've, they should have been closer to it this year. You know, with the players they've got, they should have been. Um, and I think the, the new, the new manager that comes in there is, if they don't go and throw money at it, for want of a better phrase, if they don't go and put the resources behind the club, they're going to, and they're just going to keep at the same level they are now, which is good enough to win the league. They need to have, they need to have a manager that's going to be able to work within their means. Um, is there going to be two or three players in that current Liverpool squad that are going to get looked at to move on? The Rachel Finesses of the, the, the world that, have, that are excellent players, it wouldn't surprise me. So they're going to struggle to keep some of their better players. I think Rinzola Babajid's already spoke about leaving, for example. Yeah. So um, they're, they're going to lose a couple of their better players. So that that's going to be really important for, for Liverpool going for it. I think Durham will be up there again, 100%, because of just the way that they they're built as a, as a group and they probably have the opposite. I can't see many of their top players leaving yet. Mm. You know, I think the likes of Beth Heppel and that, that have been around for a while have, have probably had offers to go before and probably want to move on with Durham. So I think Durham will be up there, there again. Um, will you see a surprise candidate, you know, a, a Lewis or someone like that, that get the promotion? I think it comes down to recruitment, but I think it will be, it will be the, the 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 names that are up there now and depending on who comes down. I think if you're a club in the championship, yeah, you probably want more likely a Bristol City or maybe a Birmingham come, to come down because of the financial clout they don't have. Right. If West Ham come down, you're probably sat there going, they've probably got the ability to bounce straight back up. Aston Villa, same, because you know they were they were good in the division before. So I think if 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 I was a manager of of a, a top WSL a championship club, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be wanting West Ham to come down because I'm thinking they're going to be going to be, and also that's going to really saturate London, you know, as well. Which is going to be, especially with Watford coming up to replace London Bees. If West Ham come down, you know, you're going to have five. Was it makes five, maybe six clubs? That's a, just just a London derby every other weekend. Yeah, and it just becomes hard to get hold of those players that that you want because it is a different type of player in the championship. So. Um, yeah, and I think danger-wise next year, mm. um, I think the tier three, the teams that come up will be your automatic sort of thoughts because of um, until they've done some clear recruitment. Um, and I think it's going to be any team out of that bottom group at the moment that doesn't get close to a full-time model. So we've heard about Lewis and Coventry um, and Charlton doing that to push this way. You know, what does that mean? We haven't heard loads about the likes of Crystal Palace and Blackburn. You know, mm. if they don't invest, then could a Coventry and a Charlton jump above them? Mm. You know, Lewis were already pushing on. So I think whoever doesn't invest will be a natural candidate for being where they are. And that's kind of what I said about if London Bees had managed to stay in the division, I think next year would have been an even bigger and even tougher step because I wouldn't have seen the... The, the 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 backing coming in for, for next season um so yeah um I, I, i'm not going to put my stick my neck right on the wire yet so i want to say see some recruitment so i might say sheffield united will win it and then if wilco leaves it's going to be a big question mark. so you know um but yeah but I th and and i think liverpool liverpool's manager is going to be the the big thing if they get someone in that's been in the championship or has been in and around the women's game that i'm understands recruitment 
they're, they're, they'd be a force to reckon with. It's Liverpool at the end of the day, so um, that they should be back up there. But if they go a little bit left wing and maybe get someone in that's no one's seen, it, it might not hit the, the, the ground running. And as you can see, very quickly, three, four games in, you, have a, you start slowly, you, you can play catch up to someone quite quickly. Um, so... So, yeah, I don't think I've committed to anyone there. Sorry. Probably not, well, no, I was just going to say, you're not putting <laughs> yourself forward for the Liverpool job then? Yeah, yeah I, I was interested, but, you know, I think that they're, they're going to be looking they're going to be looking elsewhere. So, as I say, I think, I think I've managed the second most amount of games in the Championship behind Lee Saunders at Durham. So, you know, I like to think as far as the Championship goes, I know what it takes within that division to, to balance it out. But um, I think... Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they go they go elsewhere maybe we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens with myself well, well fingers crossed for you I've got to say I, ta- I almost forgot to mention before we finish um, Charlton Karen Hills yeah I mean that was a bit of shrewd business for them wasn't it yeah and, and I think and I was speaking to someone the other day I think if you look at all the managerial changes this season Matt Beard at Bristol's worked, yeah. but the rest haven't. And Karen's probably the only other one that seems to have given them a little bit of impetus. Ratish probably had enough to, to go and was probably building and probably felt he was on a good good push, but only they will know whether she's coming just at the right time to give them another, another yard or whether it was just the teams they had to play. Um, but yeah, I mean, if that, if that can work, that Karen and Ratish sort of link, like they're doing at Aston Villa, mm. um, or they're trying to make work, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's brilliant. And Karen's excellent, you know, and I think what she did at, at Tottenham with Wan, Wan's doing an amazing job at Real oh, Betis. He's doing amazing. You know, the results they're getting oh, are ridiculous. I'm, I'm addicted to that division. You know, I'm, I'm watching his games more than the WSL one, you know, the scores <laughs> and stuff coming in because he's done such a good job and it shows, you know, Rianne Skinner's an excellent, excellent coach and manager and stuff. But, you know, I think Tottenham, you know, maybe feel like it, it was a little bit early for, for, for that change or whatever we'll wait and see but it's great to see Karen back in the game and yeah. an interesting one around recruitment for them next season going into a full-time model because she obviously had a lot of time at Tottenham so she will know them players she's worked with um, she'll be learning about some of the new ones and I'm sure some of them Charlton girls will be able to go professional but the big thing is is when you go from a semi-professional to professional side not all of them players can do it because yeah. financially there will be players that probably play at clubs like Charlton that earn more than what Charlton can pay them and have careers outside and are probably going, well, do I risk my career for less money potentially and long-term when I could be at a club for a year, lose that, lose my career. So the balancing act and it becomes a very young players game to become a professional, I think in the women's game early doors. Um, I remember speaking when we were at Millwall to Ashley Hinks when they were talking about if you were going to go professional at Millwall, she couldn't have done it because it would have made no sense to her for her career, where she was at in her time and financially and around her job. It just wouldn't, it just wouldn't have made sense. And so it's probably going to be a bit of a rebuilding job. And I think that's probably why they brung Karen in because she's been in the, in in a professional environment, but yeah, so far so good. Um, as I say, I'm, from from a B's point of view, a little bit guided because she gave him that right impetus <laughs> right at the end. But no, I'm just ple- I'm just pleased she's she's back in she's back in the game, and we we see if Charlton can become that force they were once before. 
Yeah, that'd be good stuff. Well, I've got to say, sir, we have covered everything, I think, <laughs> in terms of the championship. I'm so glad I was able to talk to you and I, I hope that we can actually do this again. Yeah, no, definitely. Maybe I'll come on before the next season starts and I can commit a little bit more to who's going to do stuff once we've seen the recruitment and who's the, who's the, who's the manager. And, yeah, tell, so. well, listen, definitely. We'll definitely do that because I, I want to see what's going to happen with the recruitment and, and obviously with a little bit more knowledge now in terms of the difficulties of part-time professional dilemma that players have to go to, it'll be interesting to see what what decisions these clubs actually make. But for now, I'm going to say thanks a lot, Lee, and um, that we'll, we'll be speaking to you again very, very soon. Uh, and that's it for this episode. Uh, this was an FAWC-focused pod chat with Lee Birch, and I'm out, and we'll see you later. Bye for now. Where's the off button? There it is.